Good morning. Well, I may have to stand close to this today. I'm not sure if this is turning on or not. Uh, I'm certainly thankful uh, to get to share a message with you. I'm glad you're here this morning. And I want to make notice and uh, make sure they know that we appreciate uh, the Fowler family. Uh, for uh, They hosted a Fowler Farm uh, last night, and we had such a great time for that. And I don't know if you went to that. You were blessed by that. And so I appreciate the effort they made uh, in letting us uh, come out there and enjoy that time uh, with one another. Uh, we had such a good time. There was a hayride uh, that Sam Brown helped do, and he told me this morning there's only missing two people uh, who didn't come back on that. So uh, that's pretty good. That's better than last year. And so uh, we're getting better. Uh, but this morning, uh, you've probably seen the title and, and are probably having some questions. Uh, and this comes from a, uh, a podcast uh, that I was listening to. And it was on uh, medication. Uh, and it was just, they were just discussing uh, some of the problems associated with that. And, and I was listening to it and it had me, you know, come away with some thoughts. But uh, in some of the stats, as they were talking, about this uh, in the study that they uh, reviewed and they were talking about it said that 20 to 30 percent of prescriptions uh, that were given out are never uh, filled 20 to 30 percent I thought that was uh, a large number and they went on to say that uh, 50 percent of those that are filled for chronic issues are not taken uh, properly uh, or not taken like in the way all the way to the fulfillment of when they're supposed to be taken and uh, and there's a number of reasons for this uh, probably uh, as, as one mentioned maybe just forgetfulness of have I taken this today that could be an option uh, some of it could have been financially related sometimes the cost of medication as y'all know is is pretty expensive uh, another one uh, and go ahead and get an elbow ready to jab it uh, is out of stubbornness uh, you may be married to someone who does not like being told uh, what to do or that they need to take a pill in order to function, and so they just refuse to take it. Uh, I don't know if you've got somebody like that in your family. You might have somebody. Uh, that's the reason they don't take it. But uh, they went to do a few other reasons. But one of the things that they did was they did a cross-study that I thought was interesting. They said that pet owners are 70% more likely uh, to fill the prescription and have their animal take it as prescribed. 70% more likely. Now, I know people love their pets. When I go to Lowe's, I see more people with pets in their strollers and whatever else uh, than I do kids uh, now. I don't know if you've noticed that. But people love their pets. But isn't that interesting when you think about that study that Man, 70% are, are willing to go get that prescription filled, and sometimes those aren't cheap either. But then they're also willing to make sure their pets get every one of those uh, treatments that they need. Now that uh, is interesting because uh, it takes away some of the reasons that we might not take our medication, but not all of them. And uh, and when we think about our pets, you know, and, and they were talking about, man, what's the reason for this? They were discussing this on the podcast and they said, well, you know, you think about your pets. You love your pets. Obviously, people love their pets. It's it's one of the biggest industries as far as it's growing that people are willing to spend money on is is loving and doting on their pets uh, because their pets are happy when they see them. You know, they they come up if it's a dog. They, you know, they're they're excited to see them. They they get to spend time with them. They enjoy their presence. There's a a, a love there that it just exists between uh, the pet owner and you know the pet themselves, and there's just a beneficial thing. And you know everything. About your pets, and sometimes your pet does stuff that's infuriating, but you still, you still love them. You still care for them. And they were talking about this, and they said, "Well, you know, another reason uh, for this, and and sadly so, is that sometimes people they know everything about their pets, 
but at the same time, they know everything about themselves. And when we know everything about ourselves, sometimes we're much less inclined to want to take care of us. We've got maybe more love for our pets uh, than we do for ourselves, and so we're willing to take the effort, to make the effort, to make sure they're well taken care of. But when it comes to taking care of ourselves, sometimes we just don't feel like we're worth it. And we sometimes just treat ourselves uh, in that way. And sometimes we might think, you know, why would, why would we do anything to take care of us? Look at all the things that I've done. Look at all the things that I've said that's hurt somebody. Look at all the things that I've done that's neglected somebody. Look at all the things that I've done against God. Like, why in the world uh, would anybody, and why should I, care anything about me? And so why would we want to do anything for us? Why would anybody else want to do anything for me? Why would God want to do anything for me and they boiled it down and and in a way they summed it up I thought was good was you know they associated it with with shame is just we just have so much shame associated with ourselves that we're not even willing to take medication that we need to thrive in the way that we should be able to thrive and when I think about shame let's kind of articulate this a little bit Uh, when I think about shame shame is associated with a focus on self you might think of guilt. Guilt is associated with a behavior like, I did this and I feel guilty about it. Shame is different than that. Shame is, I am. Like, guilt may say, I am bad, or I did something. Guilt said, I did something bad. Like, I lied to somebody about this. Shame says, I am bad. I am a liar. I am a whatever fill in the blank. And so sometimes we're so wrapped up in the identity of maybe our our badness of the worst thing that we've ever done. And uh, it made me think when I was uh, reading this interview on this uh, person who was serving uh, a life sentence and they said, you know, what's the hard part about uh, prison? And it said, my whole life revolves around the worst thing I've ever done. Imagine living every day with that kind of, of shame and guilt. If that's your identity. Your identity is completely focused on the worst thing you've ever done. Now, I don't know anybody in here that would want to carry around that label of the worst thing that they've ever done. If we all started carrying around a label on our shirt that says, I'm a, a, a liar, I'm a, a fornicator, I'm an adulterer, I'm, a, uh, I'm somebody who hates other people, I'm, uh, you know, all those different terrible things that each of us probably have done at some point in time in our lifetime, imagine wearing that label as an identity. And that's how you saw yourself. I can quickly see and in myself and, and see with other people of why they might see, like, man, I'm just not worth the effort of taking care of. This is who I am. And, and that's such a sad thing. And, and to think of, man, somebody would tell themselves that they're not worthy of taking care of, but not even that, but even not, I'm not even worthy for God to love. I'm not worthy to even open myself up to the blessing of God. Like there's just no way he'd be interested in somebody like me because of who I am. That's a shame that leads us not just to not only not take our our medication properly, but to really neglect uh, relationships that should be key to us. And and I understand, you know, shame is kind of a multifaceted thing. I think sometimes we bear the shame that other people put on us. Maybe it's not just shame that we ourselves have for ourselves, but we also know that other people uh, have labeled us in some way. And so we not just maybe bear our own shame, but we bear the, I guess, the load of the shame that other people have uh, towards maybe what we've done because they know it. 
And, and maybe it's maybe it's not even what they've done. You just know that they know it, and maybe you feel that experience of that shame. And, and there's not any shame that they're trying to willingly put on you, but maybe that's just our mindset. We're totally wrapped around the idea of this is how everybody sees me, uh, and this is what everybody thinks of me when they do. Well, when we looked at, uh, I appreciate that the verses being read earlier, we're going to be looking in Genesis chapter 3. That's on page 3 of the Pew Bibles you have in front of you if you want to turn there. In Genesis chapter 3, we have my title on my chapter is The Temptation and the Fall. Uh, And we'll look at sin's consequences. But uh, Adam and Eve, they're placed in the garden. They're there. Uh, They're given, you know, one, you know, command of not eating uh, from this tree. And and sure enough, the serpent comes up and, you know, the woman decides she's going to take a piece of that tree and she's going to eat it and she's going to hand it to her husband Adam and he's going to eat it too and this is how sin uh, has entered into this world and uh, I want you to look at verse 7 and it says uh, then the eyes of both of them after they had eaten it they were opened and they knew they were naked so they made fig leaves together and they made covering for themselves and they hid and in verse 8 it says when they heard God walking in the garden in the time of the evening breeze they hid themselves from the Lord God uh, among the trees of the garden and so I think one of the first things that we see when it comes to shame when you know Adam and Eve realize man we are naked before God we are uh, we have you know we're disobedient you know they're fearing God at this moment uh, they have isolated themselves. And I think that's something that we see that shame does sometimes, that it, it isolates us from God. Uh, it, it makes us want to hide from him, maybe because we're fearful of that. That's all he's going to see when he sees us is what we've done. Maybe it's out of, you know, maybe we just don't think we're worthy to even be in his presence, or we don't even want to go to him and, and deal with what we have uh, committed. And uh, But in, you know, that verse 7, they saw that they were naked. They just tried to, to clothe themselves. And, you know, I see this with shame sometimes. Sometimes we try to make our own coverings for it, like we're ashamed, but we'll we'll try to cover up ourselves with other things. Uh, maybe other things that we can, uh, you know, appear that we're really good at or things that uh, that other people will see that are really good and we just try to clothe ourselves with all those things. Maybe if we can just have other people see this great thing about us, maybe they won't see this. And maybe if God sees us do these great things, maybe he, he'll forget about uh, all these other things that I've done. And so maybe just like Adam and Eve, we try to make something to, to cover our own shame. Uh, but a lot of times... We tend to hide uh, from God, just like Adam and Eve. And I'd put an example of John 4 of the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, Jesus comes, and this is at an odd time of day for somebody to be out, and it's because of uh, her role in life, uh, not just because she's a woman, but because as Jesus comes to discuss with her, she's an adulterous woman. She's had, you know, more than, uh, she's had five husbands, he tells her at this point, and the person that she's with right now is not her husband, so she's in this adulterous relationship, and this, uh, possibly in this relationship that's, uh, we would label as fornication and she's in this relationship and so she doesn't come out when everybody else maybe all the other women come out or when other people come out she comes out when nobody's going to be around her shame has led her to completely isolate uh, herself from uh, the world that she lives in and that's not just one that other people have put on there that's one that she has uh, lived up to and if you can look on page 888 in the Pew Bibles, that's one that you can look at and read. And uh, But I didn't want to spend too much time in there. I just wanted it to be a reference point. So I wanted you to think about how maybe shame, as you maybe think about your own life, how have maybe I isolated myself from the people in my life? How does 
shame, maybe sometimes isolate other people uh, from attending church uh, worship service. Maybe shame isolates them from even connecting with other church brothers and sisters. Maybe they uh, feel like, man, I don't even want to be around them. I'm ashamed to be around them. Uh, maybe it's, you know, even a relationship with God. I don't even want to pick up uh, God's word and look at it because I'm so ashamed of what I have done. And so we, we kind of walk away from the one relationship we really need to absolve ourselves from this shame. And we just isolate ourselves, hoping that that covers it. But you can see with Adam and Eve, you know, they hear him walking and they, they go and hide. In verse 9, God calls out to them, where are you? Not that he doesn't have the ability uh, to, to find them or to see them, but he wants them to come to him. And, you know, he says, you know, I heard your voice and I was afraid because I, I'm naked. You know, I, I have this sin before you now. I have this shame before you. I, I can't stand before you, God. Look at, look at what I am right now. I, I am naked. I am, you know, I have disobeyed you. And God asked them what they've done. And, and I want us to look at this next part because it's going to tie to another thing I think shame does to us. And he says, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man replied, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate. I think one thing that we see that shame also does is it alienates us. It, well, alienates other people as well, but sometimes we, we use it to alienate ourselves. And what I mean by that is we put enmity or we put maybe some unfriendly or indifference in a relationship when there was once attachment. Before this sin, before there was this shame of nakedness, Adam and Eve were together. But as soon as this shame occurred, Look how quickly, quickly Adam is willing to throw his wife under the bus and to alienate her. Like, she's did this. She's the one that gave this to me. Man, so quick. And I see this shame continue. Uh, if you want to turn your Bibles uh, to the just the very next chapter uh, in yours, it's uh, probably page 4, I think, in, in the Pew Bibles. But uh, in, Actually, it may be on page 3. You may not have to turn to it, but it's, it's chapter 4. Uh, and we see this with, uh, with Cain and Abel. And uh, they're both offer a sacrifice. Cain and Abel both do this. Uh, Abel's is received well from God. Cain's not. Uh, and in verse 7, God is telling Cain, hey, if you do what is right, you won't you be accepted. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and he killed him. So man, when I think about what shame does, shame puts enmity, it puts a harsh relationship, I guess maybe if you want to use the word vibe, between uh, in a relationship where there was none, when there was complete attachment. Cain sees himself maybe as a failure before God, and you know he's angry, he's frustrated. And in verse uh, uh, 5 it says, But he did not regard for Cain and his offering, and Cain was furious, and he looked despondent. Cain was angry at this situation. He was angry at God for putting him in a situation where he felt despondent, where he felt like he wasn't accepted for what he was done. And then that shame drove him to see his brother as the enemy. And I think sometimes we are, are quick to do that. Sometimes we, we allow our identity and maybe our struggle uh, to look at other people who we might think like, oh man, they've got it together. And we might start seeing them in a negative way. We might th- think if I can somehow leverage them down 
and draw out their sin and their failures, I won't feel so naked in my own. Maybe if I even this playing field and help bring them down, I can uh, be even with them. And so it it won't look like they're better than me between uh, them and God or for them and other people. And so shame sometimes puts other people that want to attach with us, that that love us, that care for us, but it puts a stiff arm uh, where there should be an open embrace because we're ashamed of who we are and we're angry for who they are. And we look at these situations, and I know when it comes to, to medication, there may be some more things. And I know when it comes to our struggle and our faith, it could be more than just shame that's there. But I believe shame is a strong factor in why a lot of us don't take care of ourselves maybe the way that we should. I think shame is a big factor of why so many of us put distance between us and God. And sometimes it's the reason why so many of us put distance between us and God's people or us and other people who are trying to reach out to us with the love of God, and we just don't want to have anything to do with them, all because we are identifying ourselves as somebody who is maybe not worthy. Maybe we're identifying ourselves as the latest sin that we've committed or the great sin that we feel like God just hasn't forgiven us for, even though he has. Man, shame, shame is powerful. Shame is powerful in a lot of ways, and uh, but when I see the love that God has for us, uh, it's just so amazing because I, I feel like, you know, we have this very first example of scriptures of when somebody sins and their tendency to hide. Maybe or it's their tendency for them to, to be angry at their brother who didn't sin uh, and, and want to, to call strife between them. God shows us a better way. And uh, Andy, you know, that's what we've been talking about uh, this year is uh, focusing on a better way. That's been one of our themes. And so I want to share with you a better way this morning of dealing with the shame that we sometimes have of maybe who we are and maybe what we've done. Uh, A better way to deal with this. Uh, If you look in Genesis uh, chapter 3 and you look in uh, verse 7, it says, you know, Adam and Eve, they try to sew fig leaves together to cover themselves. You know, we'll try to cover our Ourselves, uh, in so many different ways, but uh, and look in how uh, God responds uh, to this. And if you look towards the end of your, uh, look towards the end of this, and He kind of gives this uh, pronouncement of like, you know, here's what's happened, here's what you've done, and here's here's the coming of sin and the pain and the agony that it's going to to cause us. In verse 20, it says, The man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. But look at verse 21. You're just going to see the grace of God that's there if we're willing to go to him with our shame. It says, The Lord made clothing from the skins uh, for the man and his wife, and he clothed them. Adam and Eve were naked in their shame and in their sin. They tried to cover it themselves, but it wasn't enough. They were still in their own shame. They still hid from God. And so God, in his infinite mercy, not just in this, but, you know, he gives them a a plan of, hey, here's the plan, kind of a taste of, here's what's coming. I'm going to offer a way out for people to not be punished by their sin, to not be carried for all of eternity their identity of sin. There's a plan of salvation that's given uh, right then and there. But then he goes beyond that and he clothes them. He provides a way for them to be covered not just, you know, to take off their shame, but to be covered in something completely new, to be covered in his grace. And I think he sets the example there of what God wants to do with our shame. 
He doesn't want us to just try to wear it uh, and be labeled that for the rest of our life. He doesn't want us to try to cover it up ourselves in some other way. He wants us to go to him and he wants for us to allow him to remove it just like those fig leaves and he wants to clothe us in something else. He wants us to be clothed in his grace in his love, and his mercy, and his forgiveness. He, he doesn't want us to bear that shame anymore. He wants us to be clothed in something completely different. And I love how Galatians 3 says this. If you want to turn to your Bibles and your pew Bibles, I think that's page 974. Uh, and it says this in verse, you know, if you, want to, if you want to look there, it says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Some of your versions may say have put on Christ. And it's basically, if you look at that word and you look at how what it's trying to say there, if you look at some of the, the meanings there, it's the same verbiage. It's the same imagery of somebody literally putting on an article of clothing. God has given us the opportunity to have that shame removed by him and for us to be clothed in Christ through baptism. Man, what an amazing God that we have who loves us. What an amazing gift that he doesn't leave us naked in our shame, that we don't have to walk around in our shame, that we don't have to isolate ourselves from him, that we don't have to alienate ourselves from other people uh, or alienate, alienate them. But he's given us a better way, a way to be clothed in his grace through the sacrifice of his son. So when we put on Christ in baptism, we have committed our life to him. When God sees us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees his son. He sees his son's sacrifice. He sees his son's blood. He sees the forgiveness that he has atoned uh, and, and offered up so that we can be clothed in something completely new. And so this morning, I want you to know that our, our shame has not just been covered by Jesus, but it has been removed, and it has been replaced when you put him on in baptism. So this morning, if you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm, all I think about myself is this sin that I've committed, I want to tell you, God doesn't see you and doesn't want you to be seen in that way. If you're a Christian, he, he for sure doesn't want you to be seen that way. He sees his son, and he wants you to remember, hey, you don't bear this shame anymore. Now you've put on my son. I see my son when I see you. I see my own child. You are now a child of God. You now wear him. And there's no reason to hide from me anymore. There's no reason to hide from your brothers and sisters in Christ. There's no reason to alienate yourself anymore. Come back to me. Come back and let me remove that shame from you and just remember that I have clothed you in my son. And But maybe uh, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, I've never put on uh, Christ in baptism. And, and right now you may bear the shame, and you do bear the shame of, of a sinner, you know, and, and you bear that identity of somebody who, who desperately needs God and doesn't have him yet. I want to tell you from the very beginning, our God has displayed himself to be somebody who is kind, who is merciful, who is forgiving, who is willing to reach out and clothe us when we are naked in our sin. And right now he's offering that opportunity up to you uh, to know that, hey, you don't have to stay in your shame of your sin anymore. 
you can come forward and be baptized and, and you can have that removed and now you're going to be, you can wear his son as what he sees. And that's such a glorious decision. It's a decision that we've had several make this year. And man, God bless you for making that decision. God is honored by that. God celebrates that fact. And I know God wants to celebrate somebody else making that same decision this morning. And so we can help you if any way, if we can help you, uh, recover from maybe living this life of, uh, isolation, living in this life of alienation, you know, I want you to know we care for you. I want you to, you know, take your medication like you're supposed to. That's an important part of self-care of, of I want you to take care of yourself. Uh, but even more so, I want you to put on Jesus and I want us to wear him the way that, uh, he desires to be worn and in full rep- recognition of the holiness that he requires and full recognition of the grace that we've been given. If you have a need this morning that we can help you with, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.